Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. Hey, what you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that head. It's a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. Hi. Sean with a uh, long weekend. You get me for the next uh, hour, hour and a half and change. Uh, Jimmy Rosari in for Sean Styers today. It's Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Uh, brought to you by Budweiser, obviously, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. Also by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Uh, by Tim Grau State Farm Insurance for supply, uh, surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. And by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Hunger is a Story We Can End. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Kind of a gray, dreary day. Doesn't feel like a Friday. At least it didn't feel like a Friday to me, you know? I kind of woke up today, I kind of felt like Wednesday, quite honestly. thought I had like a whole other two days worth of work still to do. I might actually, just because, you know, <laughs> as, far as, as far as workplace efficiency goes, my score, not that good. But uh, it's supposed to stay gray and rainy pretty much uh, the, uh, the rest of the day today. But going to shape up to a decent weekend, at least. Uh, low 45 tonight, basically rain the whole time in some form or, or another. I uh, was talking with the uh, guys out at the South Bend Cubs. As long as it's like a mist or even a light rain, they're playing the game tonight against Peoria. So, there you go. Uh I'm wondering if <laughs> if if that declaration alone hasn't upset some sort of karma. I don't know. I don't know. But uh but we'll find out. And if if anything changes with that, uh obviously we'll we'll let you know here. But uh they did just announce a starting lineup. So Yep, full speed ahead as far as South Bend Cubs go. Uh pregame starts here by the way, 6:45 tonight right after uh right after I'm done here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. So there we go. Um, last night, not gonna lie, uh, pretty good night. You know, watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I'm a Rangers fan. Uh, that 
I watched that entire three overtime game, <laughs> game one, which ultimately wound up being a total, you know, kick in the gut, really. But uh, watched them win last night, five two, pretty convincingly too. Um, and as the night was going on last night, I wasn't really checking the Mets score at all because it got out of hand a little bit early. <laughs> like I, I think, I think the Phillies put up a four spot in the first, and whenever that happens, it, it's it's not going to be a good night. So I kind of you know put the Mets on the side and watch you know concentrated on the Rangers game. <sighs> Rangers game ends, and I'm just kind of you know looking around TV and the Mets and Phillies game. You know, I, I, I could have watched it on MLB TV. It was also the uh, one of the featured games on uh, MLB Network last night. So I'm just kind of flipping through channels, and I'm like, okay, let's let's turn this on. Let's let's see where this is. And it's 7-1 still, and it's the top of the ninth. And I tune in just in time for the Lindor home run that makes it 7-3, a two-run shot. Pretty convincing, by the way. Holy cow. What a way to slump out of an 0 for 18 slump, quite honestly. Just, whew. And then, of course, as, as I'm sure if if you've watched any ESPN at all today, uh, yeah, the Mets came back and, you know, won 8-7. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up. The Mets hadn't won a game uh, where they're trailing by six or more runs heading into the ninth inning in 25 years. <laughs> the last time they did it was against the Montreal Expos who are now the Washington Nationals. I'm not going to lie. I, I I said this you know, filling in for, for Darren a couple of weeks ago on, on, on Sportsbeat AM. I've said it online, even on, on my Twitter page, Jim on 960, by the way, if you want to follow along. Um, as, as a guy who has seen more bad baseball, maybe like Cubs fans are, are like right there with me. Cubs fans, you could kind of identify with me on this one, too. Um just watched a ton of bad baseball. Even last year when they were in first place, like all the way up until the All-Star break and then everything just kind of fell apart. Even last year, I was just kind of like, all right, just just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Just, just waiting. Just waiting. And uh, eventually, of course, it did. You know, it, like late August. <laughs> Actually, mid-August, it all just kind of went to crap. Against the Philadelphia Phillies, of, of all teams. Yeah, the very team they were taking on last night. And I know the Mets went out and, and, and spent a whole bunch of money. Uh, <laughs> the, the luxury tax is now called the Cohen tax because of it. Uh, they go out, they get Scherzer. They, they go out and you know also sign Starling Marte. And uh, and Mark Canna, both with the A's. They trade for, for Chris Bassett, also with the A's. Three A's making 
making this this team fun. And you know, like I said, the Mets come back last night. They win eight to seven. I'm kind of laughing a lot because I, I'm, I'm seeing some highlights from the Philadelphia perspective. And uh, honestly, whenever you can get any sort of Philly-based broadcast, you know, anytime you can make them sad is, is <laughs> doesn't matter who you are. It's going to make you feel good, quite honestly. Um, but I don't know how to act about this yet. Like, I, I'm, I'm still waiting for that other shoe to drop. But, like, in the last week and a half, you had this game last night. You had the combined no-hitter. And they came back from five down against St. Louis. In St. Louis. To win. And I'm just... Like, I, 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 I don't know what to say because I don't want to jinx this thing. I don't want to send this thing hurtling into outer space. I'm not going to lie. I didn't feel this way back in 2015, even. When they last went to the World Series, I didn't feel this way and, until like maybe like around the trade deadline. When they when they got Yoan Cespedes, I was like, hey, this team could actually do something. But even then, it was kind of tempered because, you know, yeah, the Dodgers, the, uh, the, the Cubs were... You know that that was the the really first year where he had you know that whole uh, trio of, of of Rizzo and Bryant and and, uh, and 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 Baez and Schwarber. You had all those guys, you know, make that great Cubs team of 2015. You know, the year before they won the World Series. Uh, even the, you know going into those playoffs, I was just kind of like you know, I don't know what the hell's going to happen here. This feels different. This feels really different. And I'm not going to lie, I don't I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> I don't know what to say anymore about the Mets. Like, again, I'm superstitious to, you know, to a degree. I have a feeling that just being happy about this right now in public, on a public forum, is probably going to send... A meteor into something, figuratively speaking, yeah. Meteor right into the Mets season. Um, but this year feels really different. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of use today, maybe, maybe like the shows I, I did a couple weeks ago too. Use those as kind of a barometer for the rest of the season, rest of the baseball season. Uh, just kind of figure out how, how do I need to act to to keep this keep this from breaking down at some point. <laughs> Come say maybe, maybe you can maybe you can help me out with it. I don't know. You know, like how did you guys feel in 2016? You guys were like steamrolling a bunch of teams, and you know, once you got to the world, like, how, how did how did you guys feel? I don't know how to feel about this. This is the best I've felt about a Mets team ever, probably since 1986, when I didn't really know any better. I just kind of felt good about rooting for a team that wasn't the Yankees. But man, Ugh. let me know. Let, let me know, Cubs fan. Jim on 960 is my Twitter account. 
drop me a line, you know, let me know, you know, am, am I okay to talk about, you know, with, without fear of something cosmically going wrong? <sighs> like, I, I, I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. <sighs> Moving on. WNBA is actually uh, opening up this weekend. Kind of, kind, kind of got to mark that occasion just because uh, they're going to be doing a, uh, you know, every team, the the whole league, is uh, is is paying tribute to uh, Phoenix Mercury center Brittany Griner. A, a special floor decal featuring Griner's initials and her number 42. It's going to be placed on the sideline of every home team this weekend. Uh, if, in case you forgot, Griner's been detained by Russian authorities since February. She was apparently, allegedly, anyway, caught with hashish oil at a Moscow airport. Ever since that, she, they've held her captive hostage i don't know of course with everything going on in that area of the world um you know kind of anything even remotely tied to what's going on in in russia and and with ukraine and in nato and all that stuff kind of makes that whole situation just a powder keg uh, the State Department says that they're working on her release. They've 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 been working on that release. Uh, the WNBA's commissioner Kathy Engelbert uh, promised we are keeping Brittany at the forefront of what we do through the game of basketball and in the community. Very good, you know. Very and you know, good to good on you to stand with your with with your teammate. Basically, you know, it's it's not the sort of not the sort of thing that you kind of expect. Uh, like the professional women, you know, the the women basketball players. WNBA really doesn't pay too much in general, so they've got to they've got to play in in these leagues that happen during the fall. Basically, just to kind of really eke out a living. And and, and Griner was playing in a team in uh in russia and things kind of started going south and she tried to get out and then you know they catch her with the with this hashish oil not not even pot a hashish oil like people here in indiana you know we're you know we're all kind of mashing our teeth you know wanting pot legalized and all that but at least you know, like CBD is 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 readily available, uh, and this kind of sounds like like what that like what that hashish oil is. It's more like a CBD type thing, and even that's banned in Russia. You know, it's like, whew, man. So, yeah, like every every couple of weeks or so, that that story always just kind of pops up in my head, and I'm just kind of like, what. Uh, what everything short of sending John Rambo in into Russia do we have to do to, to get Brittany Griner out of Russia? And again, you know, every, 
everything even connected with that region of the world. Just a huge powder keg. You got to wear kid gloves around it, you know, as far as negotiating and trying to get things done and get things through and whatnot. But, you know, I, I, I felt I felt that was uh, kind of worth making note of there that, you know, that's still going on. You know, don't don't forget about don't forget about that. And I'm sure she's not the only one either. You know, she's probably the most famous person still detained by Russia right now. Uh, but I'm sure not the only one. <laughs> That's kind of why I go on my mantra of, hey, sports are fun. Sports are an escape. And, you know, that that right there is, is why we kind of need to kind of pump the brakes sometimes on on how we feel about sports. A big powder keg issue, though, just here lately has been NIL. And we'll we'll talk about that coming up uh, coming up next, actually. It's Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Tony Cotillo from uh, all sorts of stuff. One of the hardest working guys I know. Win Daily Sports, Sirius XM Fantasy, that uh, that channel. Also Heat Ratio Sports on YouTube and, and 102.5 and 1480 in, in, uh, in Philadelphia. The Gambler. Guess what we're going to talk about coming up? <laughs> That's at... Uh, Around 6.05 or so. So we'll, uh, we'll get Tony on, find out from a guy who actually knows something, <laughs> or at least has a better record than I, about you know what looks good this weekend, what looks good uh, you know, coming up next week. Kentucky Derby's tomorrow. A lot of things are just kind of sneaking up on I me. Mean, like, this year's going by way too fast already. But, yeah, the Kentucky Derby's tomorrow crazy the uh, commissioners from uh, the SEC and the Pac-12 they uh, they met with lawmakers in uh, in DC yesterday uh, talking about uh, regulating name image and likeness compensation to athletes And like I said, I've I've I'm on the record as saying, hey, you know, this if if this is how a college athlete can actually get their slice of the pie, then cool. You know, like like the base premise of NIL is actually pretty good. Because for years, you know, you had how many you know, N- NCAA college football, you know, how <laughs> How many guys could have made a mint just having their likeness off of that, you know? Like if you're going to use if you're going to use an athlete's, you know, well, basically name, image and likeness to uh to sell your program on something or to 
get another big TV contract with ESPN or Fox or CBS or NBC, whoever, then a student then a student athlete should be able to make some money somehow. Okay? Like ultimately they're the ones putting in all the work, really. I'm also not going to lie and say, uh, man, some of the some of the NIL stuff that that is floating around out there right now is crazy, absolutely insane. There's a dude like I I saw a guy flaunting his new Lamborghini, 18 year old kid flaunting a new Lamborghini, and that was on Instagram. Eighteen year old kid does he even know how to drive a stick, quite honestly, at this point. <laughs> Do eighteen year old kids know how to drive a, a stick shift car now nowadays? I don't know. Let me know. Jim on nine sixty on Twitter. Uh, <clears throat> SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said in a statement Thursday night, I appreciate today's opportunity for conversation and dialogue with members of Congress. As we have observed, activity emerge that is very different from the original ideas around name, image, and likeness. It is important we continue to pursue a national NIL structure to support the thousands of opportunities made available for young people through intercollegiate athletics uh, athletics programs across the country. The, uh, the Pac-12 commissioner, uh, George uh, Klyavkov, I think, uh he said that uh, the, the parties also discussed very serious negative implications for college athletes should they become classified as employees. I don't think you need to classify you know, college athletes as employees. But now, now we're starting to see where, where it, it really has become like the Wild West. Like there's there's no rules, all right. And and nil deals are basically being flaunted as recruitment, re- recruitment perks. Like it's all being tied in with, and that's that's problematic. That's really problematic because it, it, it's it's really no different than. Hell, basically what SMU did, you know, back in the uh, back in the early '80s, like there was there was a ton of money being thrown around at SMU. In fact, really, the whole Southwest Conference had a ton of money being thrown everywhere. SMU was just able to find you know guys who could win. That's kind of why. That's kind of why they got the death penalty, really. They brought the most attention upon themselves. But everyone in that conference, everyone in that conference was doing it. The uh, the 30 for 30 on SMU, it's called Pony Excess. It, it, it's really one of the it's one of the first ones that came out too and it's really one of the best ones. So, but I mean, you got Eric Dickerson, you know, he's just like 
he says a couple of times through that, that's my story and I'm sticking to it, basically. This is kind of like that, except we know the story already, basically. The story's out there. And it, do you think it's causing some sort of unfair balance? Of course it is. Like you hope, you know, your favorite school, your favorite, you know, insert your favorite school here. You hope that they're not basically selling their soul just for a national championship or anything like that. But with the way some things are going, it's almost hard not to. You know, like like you almost got to sell your soul just to just to stay competitive. And there's there's the problem. Ever since the Supreme Court ruled nine nothing last summer against the NCAA in the Alston case, uh, the organization has been acutely aware of potential antitrust concerns regarding its rules and regulations surrounding athlete compensation. A concurring opinion penned by Justice Brett Kavanaugh essentially encouraged future lawsuits that could challenge potential antitrust violations in areas that went beyond the narrow ruling in the Alston case. This is a key reason the NCAA itself hasn't cracked down on NIL payments. It's it believes to be disguised as pay-for-play. Uh, ah, here we go. And this is a story from The Athletic, by the way, that, that I'm getting a lot of this info from. Uh, Marsha Blackburn, the uh, senator from Tennessee, uh, she said, For far too long, the NCAA has refused to allow student-athletes to benefit from the use of their name, image, and likeness. NCAA Mark Emmert's resignation is one of the many necessary structural changes that will enable the NCAA to support our student-athletes. During my meeting with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey and others today, I continue to push for the accountability and fairness measures our student-athletes deserve. Like, this is how, this is how weak the NCAA has gotten. Emmert's on his way out. It's going to take 13 months now. (laughs) 13 whole months. Almost 15, actually. Almost 14, anyway. But yeah, like, I have no confidence whatsoever that the NCAA can actually do anything about this. Like, they have to bring in, they have to bring in the government now. And every state's different, too. Hell, it's... (laughs) I guarantee it's a lot different down south than it is up here. Not just as far as what's being presented to these kids, but also what they're legally allowed to present. Like, the you know... The NCAA screwed up by not having these sorts of regulations figured out beforehand. Like they just kind of they just kind of said, "You know what? Here we go." You know, lawmakers just said, "Here we go. Let it happen." 
and nobody really took the time to go, well, how, how do we do this and still maintain a competitive balance? Or at least some semblance of a competitive balance. Because seriously, you know, like, you didn't think, you didn't think that high-performance cars and various kinds of endorsements and the fact that, like, in the first year you had kids getting six-digit deals, kids, by the way, getting six-digit deals to play football, provided they signed with X program. Mm. Mm. Probably could have waited like a year, you know, to at least try and figure out how how they could have done this, how they could have done it better. Because right now it's just the Wild West. It is it is a John Wayne movie, basically. <laughs> it's it's spaghetti western. It's Clint Eastwood in the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the NIL landscape is basically all three of them. So yeah, I like I said. I support the basic idea, you know, of of a kid getting what really he kind of deserves if if his name and image and likeness is being used to sell a uh, a, a school or a conference's merit. They totally deserve a cut of that. They totally deserve a cut of that somehow, some way. But. It opened up a whole big can of worms that I don't think anybody, anybody was expecting whatsoever. And now you got to get Washington involved with this. And we've all seen how effective Washington is at getting stuff done. That's really going to be the uh, the lasting legacy of of Mark Emmert. Just the the giant wildfire that he left, just blazing, <laughs> just just leaving the whole forest on fire as he as he drives away. <laughs> that and also the fact that you know the NCAA lost like. $3 billion over the length of the March Madness deal that they made with CBS and Turner. That too. That too. Yeah, $3 billion. $3 billion. That's a mighty large mistake, Mr. Emmert. Oh, you've got NIL to back that up too. Awesome. Let's just add that to the list. Ah. <sighs> Moving on, I, uh, I I fell into a trap that I've really been able to avoid 
for many, many years. That, of course, being the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announcing their nominees and their inductees, you know, on a year-to-year basis. Like, it's not worth... It's, it's, it's not worth arguing, you know... That's not rock. That's not rock and roll. Ugh. I'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, coming up, the uh, the My 5 question of the day. My 5 biggest rock and roll Hall of Fame snubs to date. And they're all, they're all, you know, it's not like some, you know, real, my, like, like, it's not even anybody like Devo. You know, who at least had one hit. You know, it's not like the so, some guy who nobody's ever heard of, but did one thing in the background of something. You know, it's nothing like that. All of these groups you have heard of. All of these groups you have probably blown out speakers to, okay? That's coming up. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the My Five Question of the Day. Can you dig it? On Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. All right. My Five Biggest Rock and Roll Hall of Fame snubs. Kind of a running list, really. It gets updated, it gets, you know, looked at all the time. Everybody, you know, wanted Dolly Parton to finally make it in. She probably more than likely going to be making it in this year. And you just kind of wonder, um, what the hell took so long on that one? By the way, can we finally just change the name of the damn place to the Music Hall of Fame, because that's what it basically is. Why do I, why do I ask that? Well, I mean, you'll, you'll see as, as, as this list goes on. But anyway, my five biggest Rock and Roll Hall of Fame snubs. Let's start with uh, number five. The band Oasis. They had more than a moment. They had a whole damn era. There they were right in the the last days of albums. Right before everything went streaming. Right before you started having all these little streaming outfits pop up. Man, they were they were cool. They hit it just the right time. Controversial. Weren't afraid to say anything. Constantly feuding. <laughs> the Gallagher brothers, I think, still haven't spoken in years. They dominated touring. All right, they dominated it, and it's and now it's like nearly impossible to find some young band who isn't waxing poetic on Liam and Noel. 96 they pulled off the like one of the largest outdoor concerts in in United Kingdom history at the time they performed for two nights at Nebworth in front of 125,000 people each night each night 
And of course, this song, also sparking a meme for the ages. Great song, too. God. You're my These are all groups that you, you basically can't tell the, the history of, at the very least, modern music without mentioning these groups, these artists. So there's number five. Number five, Oasis. Number four, I couldn't believe... I couldn't believe when I saw this. Like, where do you begin with this guy? John Coltrane. Like, he, he's changed the course of music from jazz, R&B to rock, you know, rock music. He's changed music all across the board. Of course, a lot of his honors that, that he's gotten for his career have unfortunately come posthumously. In 1997, uh, he was finally awarded the uh, the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. Ten years later, received a special Pulitzer Prize for his masterful improvisation, supreme musicianship, and iconic centrality to the history of jazz. 1958's Gold Train, 1961's My Favorite Things, 1965's A Love Supreme, were all certified gold in the United States. The latter considered to be one of the greatest albums in jazz, if not all time, in all of music. Of course, the whole genre of music has just been marginalized, both here in America and elsewhere. But I mean, like, John Coltrane, the preeminent saxophonist. And he's not in this thing. Who are they letting in this thing? <sighs> number five, Oasis. Number four, John Coltrane. Number three. Arguably the most beloved hip-hop group of all time. Outcast. They won six Grammy Awards. Best rap performance by a duo or group for this song, Miss Jackson. Best rap album for Stankonia. Best rap performance by a duo or group for the whole world. Best urban alternative performance for Hey Ya. Album of the Year for Speaker Box, The Love Below for, for Best Rap Album. Tons of appearances on best of lists by even the most esteemed rock critics out there. Like, why would why why is Outcast not why were they not let in like the second they were eligible? But then again, these are also the same people who have kept John Coltrane out of the let's call it the Modern Music Hall of Fame, huh? Seriously, who's on the, who's on this election committee? <laughs> I still can't get over Coltrane, but I was like, but you know, outcast? Come on, worthy. Oh, 
Like everybody knows that song. Every everybody knows to go. Whoo! So there's my number three, Outcast. Number two, one of my favorite bands of all time, all time. It's from their fourth studio album that debuted at number one on the Billboard charts back in '94. Sold 310,000 copies of Super Unknown in its opening week. The hell? <laughs> That's a delivery. Of course, their breakthrough album, 1991's Bad Motor Finger, certified two times platinum, also helped them break through. Really, Rise is one of the one of the one of the cream bands of uh, of the grunge era. You, know, you had Rage Against the Machine out for so long. Let's let's get Soundgarden in there now. A couple of Grammy awards. They should have been shoo-ins back in 2011. But a couple of years ago, they lost their bid. And nobody... Nobody still really knows why. And quite a... Like, if, if you're a musical fan like I am... The fact that Soundgarden isn't in the Hall of Fame. Like, that feels like a crime. Really. And it's a complete insult to Chris Cornell. So five was Oasis. Four, John Coltrane. What? Three, Outcast. Number two, Soundgarden here. No, my number one all-time Rock and Roll Hall of Fame snub. Yeah! <laughs> Changed hip-hop forever! It's been almost 30 years since Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers came out. And there's... Like, this is still a monumentally important album. Inspector Deck, by the way. <laughs> With this song, Protect Your Deck, forced everybody else in the group to rewrite their verse in this song. That's how fire it is. In fact, I almost want to restart it, quite honestly, just to just to let you hear it. But uh... <laughs> but I can't. Time time is time is a valuable thing here. In addition to their collective sound, too, the real edge that the group introduced was their savvy business approach. Gave all those guys the freedom to sprawl out in the solo careers while you know having the collective available for a return. Jay-Z, Kanye, Nas, all look up to Wu-Tang. And I haven't even scratched the surface with Once Upon a Time in Shaolin, which is the most expensive piece of music ever. <laughs> so there we go. My five biggest rock and roll. Like, Wu like Wu-Tang Financial, that, that Chappelle Show skit, 
that could be real. That's how smart these guys are. Five Oasis, four Coltrane, three Outcast, number two Soundgarden, number one Wu-Tang. Get them in for God. All of them. Put them all in. Like, this is what should be getting discussed in Congress, quite honestly. (laughs) Right there. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. There's a, a new book coming out about Phil Mickelson called Phil, the rip-roaring and unauthorized biography of golf's most colorful superstar. Author of the book is Alan Shipnuck. Apparently, Phil's lost a fair amount of money gambling over the past few years. He blew through $40 million dollars in gambling debt according to this sort according to source between 2010 and 2014 40 million dollars that's 10 million bucks for four years each tony cotillo how deep in the uh, how deep in the hole are you to the mob well, let's say this. First of all, I don't think I'll make $40 million in my lifetime. <laughs> right. You and me both, bud. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, four years, but um, we'll have. I know, God rest his soul, James Godolfini may be dead right now, but I still got him on the payroll. So I, I have a lot of protection here in Philadelphia. I'm not worried. Okay. All right. So there we go. <laughs> not not as much as $40 million. Uh, Tony, nah, by the way. No, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> Tony, Cut by the way. Out, yeah. by about 90%. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tony Cotillo from uh, from Win Daily Sports, Sirius XM Fantasy, and also Heat Ratio Sports. Uh, what's good this weekend? Of course, uh, the Sixers in Miami, uh, they're down 2 nothing. You could probably point to Joel Embiid being hurt uh, as being a very big part of that. He's... Got the okay as far as the concussion protocol goes. Does uh, does the orbital bone fracture? Does that keep him out tonight? I think he grinds it out, man. He's back in the building literally as of 40 seconds ago as we're waiting on air, off air. He walks into the building. So uh, still unclear. Kyle Lowry is going to play for the Heat, and the stat is still unclear about Joel Embiid. And if I was a betting man, which obviously I am, I would say that he does grind it out tonight. Uh, I don't know how many minutes he'll play. But I think there's no way if he passed the concussion protocol that he does not step on the floor tonight. Okay. Uh, Miami on the money line, the favorite at minus 120. Uh, spread just a point and a half. The over-under set at, uh, at 210 and a half. What do you think the, uh, the smart route is to go as far as this game, this series, really? Well, obviously you look at this game in Vegas – Thinks that he's going to play, or the you know, so right. they they think he's right. The, the plus one and a half obviously showed that he's going to play. They're 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 trying to give him you know that point and a half to say ah maybe he's not a hundred percent, but uh, you know, listen, this is tough for me. It really is. Obviously, as a homer, I want to say <laughs> go Sixers, right? But you know, just everything that has happened, unless Joel Embiid really comes back to form, this is the number one seed in the East. Speaking of the Miami Heat, you would need to win four of five. You need to win four of five. That's no easy task, yeah. especially with team. Jim, it's so deep. I mean, you, you have Victor Oladipo coming off the bench, Tyler Hero coming off the bench. They, they should be stars in this league. 
and 90% of the teams that, and, and probably half the teams that are in the playoffs right now. Hey, how good would they look on those Dallas Mavericks? Oh, yeah. So when you think about that, you know, this is the fault has for the Sixers, and I just don't know if they have enough games to do it. All right. Heading out west tonight. Phoenix is at Dallas. That uh, series also 2 nothing uh, in favor of Phoenix, a, a 930 tip on that. Uh, Phoenix plus 100 on the money line. Dallas has that much of a home court advantage that Phoenix is looking as the uh, as the underdog here? I'm shocked. I am shocked at that number. I, listen, I, if anybody, anybody that knows me or anybody that's followed me over the years knows I am like big time man crush on CP3. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, he legitimately is one of my, not, if not my favorite player, one of my, obviously been riding him for years, ever since the Charlotte days. And what he did in that fourth quarter alone this shows you how good this guy is. If I did 30 plus years old, I would pass out in five minutes. I mean, this guy <laughs> is just, I, right? I mean, think about it. The, yeah. the shape that he's in at his age is, is, is unbelievable. And, and you have him and Devin Booker. You know, it, it is unfathomable that these guys, are, you know, are not going to blow the Mavericks away. And, and, and no disrespect to Dallas Mavericks, but it's Luka and nothing. You know, Jalen mm. Bronson's having a horrible season right yeah. now. I mean, uh, postseason right now. He had a great season, horrible postseason. Uh, you know, you can't rely on Bronson and Dinwiddie to cover, you know, everything that Luka cannot produce when you're going up against Booker and CP3. So uh, I, I don't see that how this is not a sweep. I'm really shocked at that line. Okay. Uh, just uh, Phoenix plus one on the spread. Uh, the over-under, oh, I just – Moved away from it. Uh, over under set at two nineteen and a half. Ooh, mm. that's a tough one. Yeah, that's a, I. I think I'm gonna go over. I would take the over. I, I think there's gonna be a lot of points scored. This is the first game for Dallas. Luca's probably gonna go off. Uh, you know, and it, it obviously Bronx is gonna have a better game. And it's just gonna make Booker and CP3 shoot even more. So I, I would go over on that. The uh, the Kentucky Derby is tomorrow. Ooh. I couldn't believe that, quite honestly, when I when I noticed that this week. I was like, oh, wow, first Saturday of May. It's Kentucky Derby this weekend. What? Um, do you have any, uh, any advice as far as horse racing goes? Because I'll be honest, I got nothing <laughs> as far as horse racing I, advice goes. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Here's the thing. I love watching it, obviously, because, sure. number one, I, right, I love the fandom. Right, you, you know, it's it, it's a show, right? It's a show. You don't know who's going to wear what, the hats, the outfits, what celebrities <laughs> going to be there. The hats but again, and then is, the hats again. Right, right. It, <laughs> but it's, it's it's the best minute ever. Like you know, I it, the, this the excitement. And again, we talked about mob in the beginning. You're talking about you know, you go back to the Bronx Tale, and you're talking about you know, you, at the scene at the track right there, Goodfellas. I mean, there's so many different things you can think about, but. I always go by names, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about horse racing. I, I have no idea. But, you know, <laughs> if you listen, this guy's a long shot, but mm-hmm. when you have a name called Tiz the Bomb, I'm all in. I, oh, I'm there you all go. in. I had, right? Tiz the Bomb. So I'm going to go Tiz. He's 30 to 1 right now. Uh, you know, who knows what happens, but I just like Tiz the Bomb. I like the way that name works. I'd throw five bucks on 30 to 1. Yeah, 30 yeah, to all 1. Day. Why not? All day. Throw it on there. Put me down. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. It's like, it's Let's like, go. Like, ha, like, what? What's a quinella? I have no idea what a quinella is. <laughs> um, 
The secret oath, by the way, uh, at four to one, won the uh, the Kentucky Oaks this afternoon at Churchill Downs. So. There, uh, there you go. There's, there's that little bit of news. Uh, Kentucky Derby uh, tomorrow night, six fifty-seven, uh, which I believe on NBC. A, uh, a friend of mine, by the way, uh, pointed out that uh, he, he finally figured out the benefit of the NHL playoffs being on uh, ESPN and Turner, and that is not having Kentucky Derby commercials every thirty seconds. So. Uh, as a hockey fan, I'm I'm thrilled about that too. I I, I was like, oh yeah, they ha- I haven't heard anything. Maybe that's why I haven't heard anything about the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, speaking of hockey, uh, Pittsburgh and the Rangers that got evened up again. Uh, Carolina and Boston uh, that is. Uh, let's see where where was my update that I just read from that had all these things on there. Uh, Carolina up two nothing that series. Can we just go ahead and kind of pencil in Carolina as the winner of that series? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, I- I'm not a huge hockey guy, but but again, I know when we talk about, and I know the series with Toronto and, and Tampa, but you talk about Tampa or, or Carolina, you already know, you know, that's where it's headed for them to be, to, to be victorious. So I, I definitely do know that. If you, if you ask me to go on the other side, you know, I, I, honestly, I'm torn. I mean, is it Colorado? I know they're up 2-0, but you know, I'll ask you: Is that like, are they the powerhouse? I mean, is Colorado? Oh, Colorado! Colorado can score on anybody at any time. There you honestly. go. Whew. I mean, I so Na- so Nashville's Nashville's a Kansas? massive mismatch for for Colorado. I mean, they're like so Colorado, Colorado has every Kansas? advantage. So, um, I'm not sure Tampa pulls this out. Quite honestly, wow. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Tampa gets the chance at three in a row. So I'm, I'll be. That would be that would be pretty impressive. The uh, the East is just all over the place. Quite honestly. like how many teams had a hundred points or more out of the East? I I know that's just insane. I know. And, and, and you remember that that was you know that was unheard of back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Baseball so. this weekend. We we both get into baseball. Uh, plenty of rainouts tonight. Um, oh, brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Uh, also means that you have to sit on the whole comeback between the Mets and the Phillies again for for another day. Uh, <laughs> <bring that> up, <laughs> <laughs> you had to bring that up. Of course I did. Of course. I, again, Tony, I don't know how to act in these situations right now because, like, the, the Mets just look different. They look different than they have in years past. I don't know how to act because of it. And no DeGrom. Right? And no DeGrom. Uh, you know, and no DeGrom. I, listen, I, I, again, it, it's so hard. It's a funny thing. You know this as well. When, when you're, you know, you're a radio, you know, a radio host, whether you're a sports writer, whatever facet you are, you, you, it's hard to take the fandom cap off every now and then and be, and be the unbiased analyst or writer or mm-hmm. media personality. But I'll tell you, I, you know, I said in the beginning of the year that this was going to be between the Mets and the Phillies, in my opinion, to win the NL East. And, the Mets were a very strong team that nobody was talking about, obviously because nobody's used to them putting it all together. And, you know, last year they had a horrible year from Lindor. You knew he was going to bounce back. Oh, yeah. They go out and they sign Marte. You know, you bring back on a one-year tenor Alonso who can hit the crap out of the ball. Mm-hmm. And then you start to get guys like McNeil, these guys that just give you these little tidbits of production that you weren't expecting. And then, oh, by the way, you have Matt Scherzer. 
Oh, by the way, you know, you, you, you have Miguel who's playing, who, who's balling out. You have Carrasco, who's, I mean, they are strong in every aspect of the game. Yeah. They're all clicking right now. And not to mention, shout out Buck Sawwater. He doesn't get enough credit as being one of the best managers ever in baseball. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, it stinks that wherever he's gone, they have immediately won as soon as he's out. Yeah, and, and, I know. I, and I'm hoping that you know that little trend gets broken because he really has been one of the best managers in baseball for a long time now. So that's no, that's you're, my you're 100% anyway. correct. No, I, I agree. <laughs> well, you know what? Here's the thing: Buck is an old school coach, mm-hmm. and he's a game day coach. He's yeah. a game situation coach. You don't you don't have a lot of those game day managers in baseball right now, right? Right, it, you know, and no disrespect to Gabe Kapler out there, who's who, listen. He is doing a tremendous job. Oh, yeah. Nobody gives him. A- Tony might have hit hit a button on his phone. <laughs> oh, let's see here. Let's get Tony back on the line real quick. Uh, I I was uh, looking at uh, at some overall odds, you know, the futures odds for uh, uh, for the World Series coming up here, and the Mets are, have somehow gotten to plus seven fifty, which which puts them with Toronto and just behind the Dodgers at plus four fifty, which is to me, Tony, is still there. There we go. Call drop, man. Uh, you know, I can change my cell phone for a while. What can I tell you? Uh, uh, darn that sprint. <laughs> or whoever yeah, you have. I'm telling you. T-Mobile. We're going to throw them right out there. But by the way, real fast, why, why I dropped and I'm back. Joel Embiid on the court right now, warming up, intent to play. Uh, so get those get those tickets ready. Uh, hopefully, uh, if if you were the betting type uh, as far as futures go for the World Series, the uh, the Mets World Series futures odds plus seven fifty right now, which is Ooh. second on the list behind the Dodgers and puts them with uh, with Toronto. Wow! Did um, yeah, Dodgers at four fifty? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Mets at plus eight hundred. Mm. Mm. I mean, I'm looking at DraftKings right now, and I, I I'd have to put put a couple dollars on that. Yeah. Um, I really would. I mean, why not? And I'll tell you what, that's secret 17 to 10 right now. I was on the beginning of the year, but don't count out those angels at plus 2,500. I'm just throwing that out there. They're they're playing very well. They have a lot of studs on that team and they're putting it together nicely. We're we're behind the scenes, but they're doing well. Yeah. That's, that's a team that had to do that, right? Yes. Yes. And, and, and listen, here's the thing. We talked about this in the beginning of the year when, when I was on here later on when we were talking about the futures before the season. And this is a team who didn't have Mike Trout last year. This team that didn't have Anthony Rendon last year. This team that didn't have Noah Syndergaard last year. And now you get all three of those guys plus the best player in the world from both sides of the, the diamond on, on the mound and at the plate with Otani. <laughs> How can you go wrong? Uh, so <laughs> they, they have a lot, of, a lot of good talent on that team. All right, Tony Cotillo right there. He's uh, He is your man. Of course, you can follow him uh, on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter handle, by the way? At TCotillo23. And that is uh, C-U-T-I-L-L-O, Cotillo, TCotillo23. Uh, Tony's uh, at Win Daily Sports. Also, uh, you hear him on 
uh, Sirius XM, their fantasy sports channel, and also Heat Ratio Sports on YouTube. Always a pleasure, my friend. As always, Jim, I really appreciate it. You have a fantastic weekend, and I look forward to next time. All right, bud. I'll see you then. Good stuff, as right, always, from uh, from Tony Cotillo right there. Like I said, uh, tcotillo23 on Twitter if uh, if you want to shoot him some questions or, or anything like that. Uh, so, minor league baseball tonight. A little bit of an update there. Uh, Tarp is still on the field as of now. Doesn't look like um, doesn't look like they're going to be starting on time tonight. Uh, so uh, we're going to take this show all the way to seven o'clock, you know, as normal. Uh, let's see. Let me see where this. Uh, it'll take him. Pa- it'll be at least seven o'clock before uh, before the game can even think about uh, getting some warm ups in. Quite honestly, so we're going to go till seven o'clock. Uh, South Bend Cubs going to be in a uh, in a rain delay. Uh, through uh, through that point, so hopefully, if you're heading out there, hopefully, <laughs> a hopefully you're staying dry, and uh, and b hopefully uh, you know you, you keep that in mind as well. Dan Patrick above the noise right now. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. South Bend Cubs and uh, and Peoria going to be in a rain delay tonight. We'll uh, keep you updated as far as uh, details go about uh, when that game is going to start. If they can get it in, even with the weather too. So, no, the forecast wasn't looking terribly promising, but uh, hopefully they can uh, get that in because, I mean, hell, they've already got one doubleheader for tomorrow. <laughs> can, can you do two doubleheaders you know, on a Saturday and Sunday, play four games in two days? I'd rather not. Anyway, uh, Sean earlier this week was talking with uh, with Jake Arthur from Horseshoe Huddle, that's uh, Sports Illustrated's uh, Colts portal on uh, SI.com. He was talking... A uh, little bit of a uh, little bit of a recap of uh, this year's NFL draft. Here is that interview. It's eight guys, I guess, the Colts drafted last weekend, and I've seen a lot of the you know the post draft grades and all that kind of stuff. So if you're gonna put a put a letter grade on this eight player class that the Colts were able to draft, where uh, where would you put it? Yeah, it was a nice little class. I, I see exactly what they were trying to do with it. Um, I really don't have any gripes. I, uh, I I don't have much reason not to give them, I'll say, an A-. minus. Um, only reason I don't give them anything higher is because they, they did take some some guys who are more, I, I don't know if you want to say developmental, but they're just the real athletic guys from small schools or they just have a, a little bit of tailoring to their games to do. But um, they, they, they definitely chose guys that fit them very well. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, they they went out and addressed a lot of needs with this class, starting with their only second round pick, their highest pick in the draft, Alec Pierce, the wide receiver from Cincinnati. What do you think about him? I like it even better considering they were they were able to trade back about eleven spots and still get a guy who literally was just handcrafted for. Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. Uh, <laughs> if you looked at a list, so they, they obviously needed receivers going into this draft. 
And if you look at a list of the guys who are available, Alex Pierce was had to be one of the, the top most realistic options on the board, if not the top one. Um, he, he fits them very well. He, he's got great size and length and speed, and they really like guys who can be really tough at the point of attack, uh, catch those contested balls. And especially having Matt Ryan now at quarterback, uh, from what I've seen of, of his play recently, he will he'll trust his guys to go up and win those fifty fifty balls. Uh, so Pierce is perfect for that. Yeah, so it feels like, especially with just where you know where they are with the roster right now, it would seem like Pierce is going to have a, a chance to step in and be a contributor right away. Yeah, I, I think so. It's it was definitely their biggest need going into the draft. They really lacked depth behind uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's still not there. We don't know if he will be. Um, Zach Pascal left. You know, that was two of the top three guys last year. And, you know, you, you consider Paris Campbell, it, it's hard to rely on him. So behind Michael Pittman, you're looking at, you know, Ashton Doolin, Mike Strawn, uh, Campbell, of, of course, uh, Des Patman. So Pierce, if he has a good summer, I mean, he could be wide receiver two or three going into the season. Do you expect that, you know, you talked about T.Y. Hilton, and I heard in the press conference they were asked about him, and he's someone they're still considering, but do you expect them to kind of go out and maybe still try to, you know, find a veteran in what's left of the free agent pool out there? I could see him doing it. I think there's still room for it because they didn't, they didn't load up at receiver in the draft, right. so there is still room for a receiver. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go for someone like Julio Jones or Jarvis Landry um, just because you've got some young athletic guys who you want to give snaps to so that they can develop. And having someone like Matt Ryan definitely kind of helps speed that up, whereas Carson Wentz, he's not, he's not a quarterback that's going to help your receivers develop. Um, so someone who's a real, uh, maybe not, you can't really call T.Y. too reliable anymore just because of how much he's banged up. Uh, but just a, a veteran who has proven that they can be good and who would take a, a cheap contract, you know, maybe $3 million or so. Um, just someone who you can put out there to, to catch passes and move the chains. You don't really need anyone spectacular. Jake Arthur is with us from the Indianapolis Colts Sports Illustrated website, Horseshoe Huddle. So they ended up with three third-round picks as well, and, and I know, you know everyone seems to be uh, pretty excited about Jelani Woods. What'd you think about that pick? The big six foot seven tight end from Virginia. Yeah, that, that was basically it's. It felt like them getting a younger version of Mo Alley Cox, <laughs> who already had experience playing football. Right, uh, right. Mo Alley Cox, of course, was famously a basketball player when the Colts picked him up. Uh, but no, Woods is is a, a real tough, real big, athletic guy. Uh, he was a quarterback when he got to Oklahoma State, and when he transferred to Virginia, you know they 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 had converted him to tight end still when he was at Oklahoma State. Uh, but by the time he got to Virginia, he was a, a pretty good player. Um, so that that's an exciting move for them. They're they're very excited to get him. Uh, so that's it's very, it's very interesting because just like receivers, they need a tight end as well. Uh, those guys can take a while to develop. Uh, we saw with Kylan Granson last year, it was kind of slow. Uh, but again, Matt Ryan having a guy like that who can make contested catches, uh, they could probably find a small role for Woods uh, going into the season. 
Well, and then they, they get you know a handful of other guys after that, a couple third-rounders, a fifth-round pick, a couple of the sixth, a couple in the seventh. Any of those guys maybe have any intrigue for you, you know, of the, of the rest of their haul in the draft? Yeah, among the day three guys, one of them who I definitely think is a sleeper has a, a chance to do some things is Curtis Brooks, uh, defensive tackle from Cincinnati. Uh, that defense, of course, was just loaded with NFL talent. That team mm-hmm. in general was great, a college football playoff team. I think their defense was 10th overall. And he was one of its best players. Uh, I think seven and a half sacks and 13 tackles for loss. Uh, first team all-conference, uh, kind of a late bloomer. Uh, got overlooked a little bit because I think he's 24 and he's not. he doesn't have prototypical size for any defensive line position kind of one of those tweeners uh but the the Colts really like what he did he's another really athletic guy um so I think he's got I think he's got the potential to do some things he's he's really motivated too uh he was not happy to be as be picked as late as he was so definitely coming in with a chip on his shoulder okay interesting well you know Jack Cohn there were a lot of people who thought that he was going to end up being drafted I don't think anyone probably would have been saying that a year ago but after what he did in his one season at Notre Dame he, he turned himself at least into you know some kind of commodity but he ends up going undrafted uh, the Colts get him as a free agent signee D- does he feel like a guy who's got a realistic chance maybe to uh, to stick down there in Indy uh, I could see Cone maybe getting on the practice squad uh, I, I don't think they're going to carry many quarterbacks they'll have ryan of course and i, I think sam ellinger will remain the backup okay uh they, they really like what he provides uh but cone i think cone should be a nice little you know summer quarterback for them get help get them through the preseason and and should do well in training camp you know he's he's a real smart guy obviously we'll we'll get the ball where it's supposed to go and we'll kind of take what the defense gives them um he's not He's not really the Frank Reich prototype quarterback, uh, so I don't really see him having a, a big role in necessarily making the roster. Uh, but one thing they definitely appreciated about Ellinger last year, even as a rookie, was how quickly he absorbed the playbook and just not making big mistakes and kind of just getting the offense in the place it needed to be. And I could, I could see that from Cone. He's definitely not as as mobile as, as Ellinger was, but I could see Cone – I, I can see him growing on the on the uh, offensive coaches. I'm curious your thoughts and and if you have kind of some insight on maybe what their thoughts were on Sam Howell, the quarterback from from North Carolina, because obviously he ended up slipping. He ended, he slipped farther than I thought he was going to slip. So I, they had some chances in that middle of the you know middle of the draft because they obviously bring in another veteran in Matt Ryan. You know, they wouldn't have been spending a high draft pick. What are your thoughts on him? And, you know, again, maybe if, if you have any insight into what their thoughts were on him going in. Yeah, so uh, they visited with uh, some of the top quarterbacks a week or two before the draft, and Howell was one of them. Uh, they also met with uh, Desmond Ritter and even Malik Willis. Um, I don't think any of us thought Willis would fall as far as he did, but yeah. apparently maybe the Colts thought it was a possibility. Um, I thought once we got into the mid-rounds that it might be a little more possible that we see Howell go to the Colts uh, just because they could use a developmental guy to go behind Matt Ryan. You know, maybe maybe in a few years have, have someone you would 
throw out there as the starter. Um, kind of like with what, what they did with Jacob Eason uh, a couple years ago. Right. Someone who was widely discussed as a day two pick that fell to the fourth round. I, I kind of felt like that to me. Um, but ultimately, they decided to keep going for, for some athletic playmakers. Well, I wanted to ask you about Danny Pinter as well. Of course, our local guy here went to Adams High School here in South Bend, the Ball State guy as well. He's He's been there in a reserve role the last couple of years and going into year three now, which is pretty amazing. But I, I saw something, you know, what, maybe a week or so before the draft about how you know, he could end up being a starter this season. Do you think that's a realistic possibility for Danny Pinter? Yeah, honestly, I think if the season started tomorrow, he probably would be their starting right guard. Um, the the Colts lost both Mark Glowinski and Chris Reed in free agency. Uh, that that was their two starting right guards last season. Uh, Reed kind of overtook Glowinski at one point, and then Glowinski earned his job back. Uh, but they liked both of those guys. Uh, and I think this was probably their plan for Pinter. Uh, right guard has kind of been the weak link of the line for the last couple years, um, d- discounting left tackle that they've kind of had to scramble and, and throw something together there. Uh, but right guard is, is probably the spot you could put a put a magnifying glass on and say this is probably the most interchangeable spot on their line. Uh, but Pinter has developed nicely the last two years as the backup center. Uh, Ryan Kelly hasn't always had the cleanest bill of health, uh, so Pinner has has gotten some playing time and has started a little bit, and he's he's done very well. He sh- he basically showed what he did at Ball State. Uh, he's very used to change and adapting quickly, and that's what he did uh, with has done with the Colts so far in two years. And yeah, I uh, I think uh, probably the biggest reason they haven't gone out and signed a new starting right guard is because they knew they had Pinter. Um, now I will say they they drafted Bernard Ryman right. in the third round. Uh, I think the hope is that he could earn the left tackle spot at some point. But Chris Ballard did say they're they're just going to put the best five guys out there, however that looks. And so uh, that that could that could mean Ryman takes over right guard. We don't know yet. We'll see. But I, I definitely think Pinter would get the nod if they had to play a game this week. Yeah, and it's interesting. I I saw in in Ryman's background information that, like Danny Pinter, he's a guy who had played tight end and end up moving to tackle in college. Of course, he's at Central Michigan, but uh, you know, pretty good size, six six, and what a little over three hundred pounds, I think. So maybe maybe a guy you know they're looking at to see what spot fits the best kind of thing for him as they go through their camps. Yeah, exactly. And we, we got to talk to some of the guys in the scouting department after the draft. And I, I kind of brought that up to Kevin Rogers, their director of uh, pro personnel, player personnel. I, I compared Ryman to Pinter. You know, they're, they're guys who are very used to change. They, they haven't, you know, started 40 games in one spot. So they're used to being asked to do new things and adapting quickly. Um, so I, I, I think – I, honestly, I, I think they probably felt pretty good taking Ryman in, in small part because of the success they've seen with Danny Pinter. Uh, one final question for you. Obviously, they go out and get Matt Ryan. They make that trade for him after they traded Carson Wentz to Washington. What's what's the general feel down there in Indy about Matt Ryan compared, you know, making that move to get Ryan compared to the move that they made when they gave up the first round pick to get Wentz a year ago. 
Oh, much, much, much better. <laughs> I, I think everyone is, is much more comfortable with this move. Um, I've heard several times people say that it's it's a lot like when the Colts had uh, Phillip Rivers at quarterback. Okay. Um, you know, that's, that's a veteran guy that can spread the ball around. He'll take the layups. He's not just trying to play hero ball. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's not going to tank the offense. But at the same time, he's just a born leader. He's an extension of the coaching staff. And they, they have a young group of pass catchers with their receivers and tight ends that they really think Ryan is going to help them develop. All right, very good. And, of course, Sports Radio 960 AM is your home for the Indianapolis Colts. Senior analyst Jake Arthur from Sports Illustrated's Horseshoe Huddle and the co-host of the Horseshoe Guys podcast. I imagine you've got a lot of uh, draft coverage going on right now at the Horseshoe Huddle, Jake. Oh yeah, that's that's all I've been doing on stop, and the rest of the guys are throwing stuff in there as well. I uh, I've been working from home the last two years, but I feel like the most time I've spent away from the house was during the draft at the Colts facility. <laughs> that was a lot of work. I can imagine. I can imagine. Jake Arthur, yep. check out all his stuff at Sports Illustrated's Horseshoe Huddle site, and uh, also to have a listen to the Horseshoe Guys podcast. Jake, appreciate it as always. Great stuff from you. As always, it's great to talk to you and uh, look forward to, to talking to you again maybe around the time training camp rolls around or so. Absolutely. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me back. And, of course, that uh, interview available on our website, wsbtradio.com, in the podcast section. That's where we put all of our local stuff. Go check it out in case you missed anything throughout uh, throughout this week. We will uh, come back, wrap things up here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. Also by Barbies of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. And by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Tentative start time for the South Bend Cubs tonight. Push back to 730 because of the uh, of the weather. However, they are uh, taking the uh, tarp off the field here momentarily, so if it's not already off, quite honestly. So uh, we will have that game uh, coming up a little bit later than we were planning, but uh, looks like South Bend Cubs are uh, at least going to try and make a go of it as far as uh, tonight goes. There are five, uh, five games postponed because of the rain in, in Major League Baseball. Dodgers and Cubs uh, early this afternoon. That'll be made up tomorrow. Royals and the uh, Orioles, the Mets and the Phillies, the Rangers and the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Guardians were all uh, postponed due to the weather. Those games uh, all being made up, uh, let's see, with the exception of the Mets-Phillies game, all those games being made up this weekend. So there you go. And then I don't, I, I don't understand this, okay? You see, you, see a, you see that the weather is bad in Cincinnati, and they're in a rain delay in the top of the first inning right now with no score. And... The game started, top of the first inning, and now it's in a rain delay. Um, 
Really? You couldn't have just said, you know what, let's, you know, I, I, I bet that rain will probably hold, come back and hit us. Let's keep the guys off the field for maybe like an extra half hour so that, you know, the pitchers don't wind up having to be pulled and we have a bullpen game, essentially. Yeah, I know it's the Reds and all, and they've won three games all season, but, I mean, the Pirates aren't terrible this year. So, anyway. That, that, that's my little soapbox. I'll get off of it now. Uh, tonight, NBA playoffs. They're back on heat at the Sixers and then uh, the Suns and the Mavericks. Uh, tomorrow, Celtics at the Bucks and then Grizzlies at the Warriors and then Suns, Mavs, and Sixers uh, heat on Sunday. Uh, Stanley Cup playoff schedule. Hurricanes at, the, at Boston. Toronto at Tampa Bay. Minnesota at St. Louis and uh, Oils, uh, Oilers at the Kings tonight. Panthers at Capitals tomorrow. Uh, Avalanche at Predators. Rangers at Penguins. Flames at Stars on Saturday. And then uh, pretty much a mismatch of all of those teams thrown together on Sunday. So there you go. That's, uh, that's pretty much all you got this weekend. Kentucky Derby, like I mentioned, this weekend. If you can wrap your head around the fact that it's going to be May 7th already. I can't believe it. Can you? Matt shaking his head no. So there we go. So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much what's coming up tonight. Uh, we, we'll have the South Bend Cubs game coming up. Uh, probably start the pregame show around 7.10, 7.15 or so. Uh, and, of course, uh, first pitch for that game going to be a little bit after 7.30. So there you go. That is uh, that's what we've got pretty much on tap for the rest of the night and the rest of the weekend as far as sports go and also right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Oh, by the way, White Sox and Red Sox, that's going to go off, but uh, you, you got to sit through the presentation of Apple TV+. Plus. Good luck. Good luck, White Sox fans. Good luck on that. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 